Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you all the glory and praise. We thank you for your word of truth. We thank you for the wisdom that we can gain from you, Lord. We do pray that you would go before us, Lord, and that you would prepare our minds to receive from you so that we would not be conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit that allows us to be diligent in these things. Thank you for your word, which makes these things known. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Last week, at the beginning of my message, I spoke a bit about hearing the voice of God. Matter of fact, in talking about being friends of God, I pray that I properly emphasized the point that we must have conversation with God. This intimacy we have with God the Father through Jesus Christ is both a privilege and a responsibility. I believe today's message will further lead you into understanding how to hear and discern the still small whisper of God. I had planned to begin this morning with Bible trivia and uh, emphasizing why it's important. Why is it important for us to continue to go through simple truths of Scripture or to know simple stories or to have the details of certain stories in the Scriptures understood or at least known? Why is this important? And prayerfully, I'm amongst a crowd of us that believe we can never fully understand or know the biblical truth. We can, again, we can know the mystery, Jesus Christ. However, I love what the rabbis in Judaism had said that every verse has a multitude or at least 70 different interpretations. And I believe that. I believe that there's so much that can be unpacked from simple truths. And it is important for us to realize the magnitude of that, to stand in awe of the Word of God. I believe this is emphasized by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church at Rome there in the first century. I believe this letter was written um, in the late 50s or early 60s to the church there at Rome. Again, the way you're able to know the dating is by looking at the expulsion by, of Claudius um, by Claudius of the Jews, and then ultimately the return. And that's what we're dealing with here at the Church of Rome, is that a lot of these Jews had been have come back into the community in, in Rome, into the community there at Rome, and there's a lot of disagreement in regards to how this truth, the hope of Israel being fulfilled through Jesus Christ, how that's coming to bear upon the uh, the Gentiles, uh, or the uh, and how it's coming to bear upon the Jews. And that's important for us to take into consideration, to know the context, to know that there's this disruption, this confusion there in this ecclesia, in this small community, this assembly gathered in Jesus' name. And that's why the Apostle Paul is addressing these truths. Now, I just want to highlight the chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And he says this, Therefore, brethren, I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is and which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think but to think as so as have sound judgment as God has allotted to each the measure of faith. You see, 
More often than not, Christians will interpret this passage here in Romans chapter 12 in talking about their responsibility of their body. Now, I don't necessarily disagree with the application of those things, that I do believe, as the scripture says, that there's only one fornication against the body, meaning, yes, this physical body, and that is fornication. However, in this text here in Romans chapter 12, it would seem that the bodies, and again, to understand the Greek word soma, to mean assemblies, that these bodies that were assembling in the name of Jesus there in Rome, the Jews that had come to the faith in Christ, the Gentiles that had come to faith in Christ, and they had all these disagreements and all these you know, arguments, and that was the pattern of the world at that time, for the Jews and Gentiles to be divided. And we see through Jesus Christ that the truth is that there's neither Jew nor Gentile. And the Apostle Paul is addressing this issue. If you go all the way back to Romans chapter 1, he says there in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, that the gospel that he is unashamed of is for the salvation of the Jew first and then for the Gentile. And you see that the way the redemptive story was being told was misunderstood by many in that first century. And the Judaizers and all the different false teachers that were there in that first century, they utilized that confusion. Much like many false teachers today, they utilize the confusion of the people to get them to conform to the patterns of the world. But they think they're not conforming to the pattern of the world. And, you know, that was exactly what was happening here in these assemblies. You have these Judaizers who are, you know, emphasizing that you need to be circumcised. Again, the way of the world, as we see here in Scripture, the traditions of the fathers was condemned by Jesus Christ. He said that you have invalidated the word of God by your traditions. Yet they would use that opportunity to, you know, speak to anybody that was maybe a Jew and to offer up this Judaizer mentality and say, this is a way that is different than the world. Don't be like them. You see, and this is why it's very important. It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A similar text that I would attach to this is a couple of chapters before that. In Romans chapter 6, verse 11, it says, Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So, dead to sin is the patterns of the world. Uh, well, dead in sin would be the patterns of the world. You want to die to that. Die to the patterns of the world. And be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which again here in verse 11 is, but to be alive to God in Christ Jesus. Because the world is dead. Those outside of Christ that have their issues, again, in the first century that was highlighted through the division of Jew and Gentile. Today we can think of all the different calamities in the world and all the different ways that the world would tell you to deal with them. And then we need to consider the ways of Jesus Christ, the truth of Jesus Christ. And we need to ask ourselves, are we being conformed to the pattern of the world or are we being transformed by the renewing of our minds, which is the will of God for those that are alive to God in Jesus Christ. Another text that emphasizes a similar point is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. And there we read. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which, which, which were yours in ignorance. But like the Holy One who has called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. If you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your feudal ways of life, inherited from your forefathers, again here noting the Gentiles and their, that feudal way of life through uh, 
perishable things. But with the precious blood, as a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. You see, you were bought with the blood of Christ. So do not be conformed to the ways of this world, the former lust from which you have been called away to newness of life in Jesus Christ. I looked up conform, do not be conformed in the Greek. And the word used there is syskematizo. And again, what this would mean is to be alive to law. The way that their system was to be alive to sin under law. That was the conformity to the way of the world. For the Jew, at least, the former lust for the Gentiles would speak to their idolatry and the perishable things that they used to worship God and claim that they had immortality. You see, in a book I've been reading, I'll explain more about it as we go through this message this morning, I've been learning about the fixed mind. The fixed mind is set only on the ways that things have always been done. And you see this, this was the conformity to the ways of that world in the first century to be caught up in the confusion of Jew and Gentile. To listen to the lie. We see in Genesis chapter 3, they listen to the lie. That's the sin of Adam and Eve. They decide what is right based upon their own system, their own way of thinking, their carnal mind, the way things have always been done. Again, if you understand covenant creation and you understand Adam being saved from the idolatrous nations, being brought into covenant with God. Some might say being given opportunity to have eternal life. Again, to eat of the tree of life, which was there in the Garden of Eden. But they had a fixed mind. So they went and wandered after the lust of their flesh, the lust of their eyes, the pride of life, Exactly what you see there in Genesis chapter 3 as well as mentioned in 1 John chapter 2. But be transformed. So do not follow with the system and the ways of the world, syskematizo, but be transformed, metamorpho. Many, many of us know of metamorphosis. Right? Metamorphosis that uh, with um, different plants and the way that they grow and they change. Or you, know, you think of the caterpillar turning into, metamorphing into a butterfly. Metamorpho, the Greek word. Dead to sin is the, the transforming that we have through Jesus Christ. To be dead to sin and alive to Christ. And this would be demonstrated by what we're going to call a growth mind. So if you're writing notes this morning, write fixed mind, conformed, growth mind, transformed. By the renewing of your mind, the Greek word here is anakonosis himonous. To completely change your way of thinking and intellect for the better. I had saw a text that corresponds with this way of thinking in Titus chapter 3. Again, Titus chapter 3 is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to his spiritual son, Titus. And here in Titus we read, sorry about that, Titus chapter 3 verse 5. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured upon us Richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You see, this is the renewing of our mind. To be renewed by the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and being given the Spirit of God that would dwell in us, that would give us the mind of Christ, that would allow us to discern what the will of God is. So I talked about the context of Romans there, the Jews and the Gentiles, and the issues of the bodies, the assemblies that were gathering in the name of Jesus Christ. But I want to challenge you. What are the patterns? And I want you to think about this as I continue this morning. I want you to think about the patterns of conformity that are at work in our world today. 
You might think of New Age philosophy, which it seems that it run rampant around our society. You might think of self-help or grudges or you know, people holding grudges, a very popular thing in our day and age. It's a way of conforming to the way of the world, pride and ego to the detriment of others. I'm going to live my way. I'm going to step on the heads of those that are coming my way, crush the heads of my enemies because that's the way of a victor, to have pride and ego and let that lead the way, or greed. Again, I don't know anybody that would contest that issue. I challenge you to be thinking about the different conformities, the patterns of this world. Those are things we need to take note of. The things that stand in the way of the true image of God, Jesus Christ, and lead us maybe to think that this is the way of God or this is the wisdom of God or this is the way I need to do it in opposition to the truth of God. What are some of those conformities? What are some of those systematizos, to use the actual Greek word there? Now I want you to think on the opposite end. I want you to think about how do you foster the transformation that we have in Christ by the renewing of your mind? You might think of spiritual disciplines such as prayer, study, Church, going to church, gathering as a community, having that fellowship, having that community mind, as uh, the book of Proverbs notes, that one of many counselors is a wise man. Why would we think Bible trivia would be a good idea, as I emphasized at the beginning of this message? Uh, Fellowship, why is that important that we smile and have fun and enjoy our time together? You see, we are called to be a people marked by a different way of thinking about the world. I regularly bring up what I call my favorite Bible text, which seems to illustrate the renewing that is necessary. It says, the goal of our instruction is this, love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Recently, I've been reading a book, and it seems to highlight that point that that text is making. That how do I find love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith? How do I live with that renewing of my mind continually that our text in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 speaks about? In this book, Mindset, by Carol Dweck, who is a known psychologist, she brings a lot of new insights regarding the human mind and success, and I see a lot of it corresponding to the truth of Scripture. Her points highlight what the text in Romans 12 is speaking about. For example, let me give a little tidbit here to bring in this uh, psychologist perspective. A couple years ago, I remember hearing a preacher talk about psychology. And he said that he had met a psychologist and they were talking about the term and he said, you know, that you do my job. And the woman looked at him strange and he said, yeah, he said, pastors are the true psychologists because the word in the Greek for psychologist, suke, actually is not a part of the man, but it emphasizes the whole man, the soul, the suke. You're a soul, you're you're a person that is helping the whole being of that person and that's what a pastor is called to. That's, you know, again, it's all about changing the worldview. That's the renewing of the mind. That's the suke, the, the psychology, is the betterment of the whole man. Mind, heart, soul, and strength, whatever division you want to put into a human being. And uh, I believe that's important as we think about psychology and how that affects our faith. Psychology is the effect, if we're, we're looking at it through the true definition, is that which would build up the whole man, the study of the whole man. In this book, Carol Dweck makes the case for two mindsets that captivate mankind, the fixed mind and the growth mind. The fixed mind conforms to established patterns and and what is understood as acceptable and normal. That's conformity, conforming to the patterns of the world. Whereas the growth mindset continues to challenge and renew itself. And she makes a case for this whole thing 
Um, th- these two mindsets affecting everything. I thought this following quote by Alfred Binet, who is the man responsible for inventing the IQ test, was rather interesting. He said, A few modern philosophers assert that an individual's intelligence is a fixed quantity, meaning you can only have as much intelligence as you've been given or have been allowed, a quantity which cannot be increased. We must protest and react against this brutal pessimism with practice, training, and above all method. We manage to increase our attention, our memory, our judgment, and literally become more intelligent than we were before. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I, I could speak to you all morning about this book, Mindset by Carol Dweck. I found it to be very encouraging. You may expect a blog from me to be written in the near future. However, I want to make some points and get us to a very vital grow and go. In the book Mindset, the reader is challenged with the fact that most successful and joyful lives do not come by life being void of obstacles. Rather, when a growth mindset, a mind continually renewed, continually challenged, is developed, life setbacks become the stage for future, stages for future success. A growth mindset doesn't just welcome or seek challenges, but rather it thrives on them. I am convinced this is the mindset we are called to have as Christians. This is the renewing of our minds that Romans chapter 12 verse 2 is speaking about. I often hear people refer to Matthew chapter 18 verses 1 through 4 to make a whole bunch of cases. However, I want to bring that text before you this morning. Again, that is Matthew chapter 18 verses 1 through 4. Many of you are going to be very familiar with this text if you're not already thinking about it. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called them a child and set the child before them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child... He is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. So let's talk about what does it mean to be like that little child. In the book Mindset, a challenge is put before the reader. What would cause a person to be conformed and no longer seek transformation? Because again, we're agreeing here that conformed is the fixed way of doing things. Rather than the transformation comes by something different being done, taking on a challenge to see different things. Because let's face it, let's put an example before us this morning. Many people are seeking fulfillment in our world. And The conforming pattern of this world is to choose your own way. I have my freedom. I can choose my own way. And yet we continually see that fixed mindset fail. But then we also do not see people ready to take up a challenge to try something different, to be transformed, to renew their mind, because that puts them at odds with what is natural, the fixed mindset, what comes easy. What would cause a person to be content in that? And... The book Mindset brings us all the way back to the mind of a child. 
What puts an end to exuberant learning, to exuberant challenge? And the studies here in the book Mindset detail that as a child grows up and is introduced to the patterns of the world, what we might call these presuppositions, things that have already been presupposed about the world, they begin to evaluate themselves in light of those patterns, and many times they become afraid of challenge for a variety of reasons. We carry this fear into adulthood without realizing it and develop paradigms based upon our understandings of the pattern of the world, our presuppositions. This is human. However, as per Romans chapter 12, we are not to be conformed to this way of thinking. We Christians, those of us in Christ Jesus. Rather, we need to continually seek to be like the child before he or she is affected by the pattern of this world. This is only something that we will be able to do and through Jesus Christ. And this is the only way that when we live this reality through Jesus Christ, the renewing of our mind, that we will be able to live out the goal of our instruction. Love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. I love that motto of the early church. Semper, reformanda, est, ecclesia est. The church must ever be, be ever reforming. Or the ever-reforming church must be ever-reforming. It's always changing. We must always be an ever-reforming people, individually and collectively. I cannot help, help but think of men like Shane Claiborne and Mark Batterson. These are two men who have been influential in my life and my discipleship in Christ, and namely in seeing this renewing of the mind. Shane Claiborne wrote the book, The Irresistible Revolution, Living as an Ordinary Radical. And... While I don't always advocate everything he says in his book, and I, you know, I disagree with some of the outworkings of the book, I tend to think he grasps this concept of a renewing mind, of a growth mind that Carol Dweck had spoken about in that book, Mindset. And I just wanted to share a couple pages of this book with you um, in that regard. Shane says this, after speaking about college, he says, I had asked one of my Bible teachers if he still believed in miracles. Like when Jesus fed thousands of people with a couple of fish and a handful of loaves. And I wondered if God was still into that stuff. I wanted miracles to be normal again. He told me that we have insulated ourselves from miracles. We no longer live with such reckless faith that we need them. There is rarely room for the transcendent in our lives. If we get sick, we go to a doctor. If we need food, we go to a store and buy it. We have eliminated the need for miracles. If we've had enough faith to depend on God like the lilies and the sparrows do, we would see miracles. For it is not a miracle, for is it not a miracle that the birds find enough worms each day? He was right. Think about that. We have insulated ourselves from experiencing the miracles that we so desire to see, to see God work in mighty ways. What are some ways that we can begin to renew our minds and say, what can I do to allow God to go before me to see the miracles of God? I know on my bucket list, one of the things that, that I have written down there is to see New Testament miracles. And I've seen many of them. Because I've been provided and afforded the opportunity to see God go before me in many times, many places. And I imagine many of you share like moments. And it's good for us to relish those moments, to remind ourselves of those moments, because that is a part of the renewing of our minds. Another thing Shane says in this book is, um, I love his graduation message. In talking about and in challenging us to accept things that are different, to do things different ways because 
doing them the way that the established ways, the conformed ways are not always right. He says this, and he titled it, Crawl Through the Window. The doors of normalcy and conformity are dead. The time has come to give up on the doors and find a window to climb through. It's a little more dangerous and may get you into some trouble, but it is a heck of a lot more fun. And people who have risked, who have changed the world, have always been the risk takers who climb through windows while the rest of the world just walks in and out of doors. Of course, I would highlight a quote there written by, uh, written about troublemakers, amen? And, (laughs) uh, but, you know, I agree with him. Now, obviously, we want to be careful about what trouble we're causing and what intention we're causing that trouble with or by or for. However, I agree with him. Conformity is dead. As Christians, we should note that. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Conforming to the patterns of the world. Conforming to the image of Jesus, sure. That's another topic. We more often than not, we naturally are inclined to conform to the ways of the world. To do it our own way. To discern things according to our own desires. Another thing Shane Claiborne says in the book, and this will be my last point here. He talks about the different ways that we're called to live out the kingdom of God. And I believe this is important to emphasize for us this morning. He says this, Not everyone responds to the faith the same way. Some will give up houses and leave their fields. Others will offer their possessions to the community and form hospitality houses, like Mary and Martha and Peter's family. Others will hold back from the common pool and lie to God, and they will be struck dead like Ananias and Sapphira. He wrote, just kidding, hopefully. There are the Matthews who encounter Jesus and sell everything, but then there are also the Zacchaeuses who meet Jesus and redefine their careers. So not everyone responds in the same way, but we must respond. We must seek our vocation listening to the voice of God and the voices of our suffering neighbors. Both Zacchaeus and Matthew responded to the call of Jesus in radical ways that did not conform to the patterns of the world. And just to highlight, uh, the reason why I brought up Mark Batterson as a part of the renewing of the mind is his philosophy for his church is that everything is an experiment. And if you think about it, if you're experimenting, there's no room for failure. Because every time you experiment, you are hypothesizing and hoping for a result in regards to your hypothesis. However, it's an experiment, so you're open to change. You're open to doing things a bit different. In closing, I also want to note this quote by missional leader Joe Saxton regarding our making known the manifold wisdom of God in the world. Choose your posture, church. Do we see ourselves as victims of a changing society? Which, again, the fixed mindset will cause us to do that. If we're being conformed to the patterns of the world, which unfortunately many churches are, and they conform to this way that we have to do it this way because we've always done it this way, yet they can't show you a Bible verse to prove anything. They have that fixed mindset. And then again, again, this leads us to feeling like we're victims of a world that has gone to chaos. Or are we the rescue team? Sometimes a rescue team has to do things a bit different. You have to get a bit unconventional to get the job done. I believe that's following in the pattern of our Lord. So our Grow and Go this week is going to be, um, and if I may just emphasize the Grow and Go, the Grow and Go is... The vision I had shared for our church early on this year, and that was that we would uh, anything we do here as a community, we would be taking out there. So this morning we learned about the power of a renewed mind. That we are not called to be conformed to the patterns of this world. 
And I'll end with this point here in the Grow and Go. A quote from Mindset said this, The passion for stretching yourself and sticking to it, even or especially when it is going, when it's not going well, is the hallmark of a growth mindset. This is the mindset that allows people to thrive during some of the most challenging times in their lives. So I want you to think this morning about stretching your mind. The power of a stretched mind. If I may refer you back to that quote from Alfred Binet. He said, A few modern philosophers assert that an individual's intelligence is a fixed quantity, a quantity which cannot be increased. We call that a lie. And he went on to say that with practice, training, and above all, method, we manage to increase our attention, our memory, our judgment, and literally become more intelligent than we were before. So I want to challenge you this morning with method, training, and practice. How are you implementing these realities in your life? How are you growing here so that you can take this reality out there? Take some time right now to think through what is the method that you are using to learn? Many of you know of my Second Peter chapter 1 growth chart, which actually lines up with this reality 100%. In Second Peter chapter 1, the Apostle Peter makes it clear that there's some things that we need to be continually increasing in. And if we do that, we can trust that we are being fruitful and effective in our use of the knowledge of God, in living out the goal of our instruction, as I mentioned in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. So that's my method. That's one of my methods. I have many methods. And I'd ask you to challenge yourself this morning. What are some of your methods that you use to continually be a, a renewed mindset? Do you practice? What sort of practice do you need to put into effect? I try to, uh, maybe every two months or one and a half months, I try to uh, discern that I need to change one of the traits that I'm using from Second Peter chapter 1. I believe I'm due now in my life, right now. Had worked through self-control and, and learned some resources, implemented some new practices in my life. Had done the same thing with knowledge, gaining knowledge, specifically focused on you know uh, Jewish writings, uh, namely Josephus, uh, doing that with a five-fold ministry, effective ministry, um, what we're seeking to do here through our discipleship at Blue Point Bible Church. Um, you know, so many different things. That's my practice. And my training. What, what sort of growth are you bringing into your life? What are you looking into? Me, I learn to read. I love to read. I challenge myself to listen to two sermons a, mo- a week and uh, to build on top of the foundation that I already have. This is my method, practice, and training. And I pray that you will use this to renew your minds. Let's end with a quick praise. Heavenly Father, I am sorry, Lord. I pray that we never refer to praise of you as quick. Thank you for the renewing of our minds, Lord. Thank you for the privilege that we have through your spirit. Allow us to continue to grow in that reality, Lord. Allow us to continue to be conformed to you, Lord, and not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but continually be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So that we would know that being conformed to you means that we must be continually transformed. Continually renewed, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the spirit that you give us, Lord, that discerns all your spiritual truths. That without it, we would not be able to discern anything of you, Lord, and know you. Thank you for calling us your children. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.